0: Welcome to Saga Shorts. I'm John, And I'm Andy. And this is the third of our special quarantine edition of Saga Shorts, where we're attempting to lift you up from the doldrums of solitary confinement with a weekly series of fun stories from medieval Iceland. I've
1: got my quarantine
0: shorts on. How about you? (laughs) (laughs) I've been wearing
1: shorts a lot. There you go. Uh, So we're only doing this for April, right? Because I can't sustain this weekly
0: podcast thing forever. Oh, yeah, definitely. Just April. My wife and I just bought a house here in Oxford, Mississippi. Hey! And we're actually going to be moving in the first week of May. I won't have time or maybe not even internet to podcast much. So. <laughs> uh,
1: well, we, the podcast will continue. Let's just be clear on that. It but will, uh, yeah. first of all, congrats on the house. Uh,
0: Thank you. Does that mean you're a permanent fixture at Ole Miss? Well, I mean, my wife is and has been for sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, The question was, what's up with me? Uh, But it looks like that. (laughs) We've all been asking that for years, Andy. Yeah, I know. But no, it looks like I'm going to be a permanent fixture here too, or at least a semi-permanent thing. I don't know. But Mm -hmm. I'm just waiting for a few things from the powers that be to fall into place, and hopefully it all works out. Um, So So nothing's definite yet.
1: Yeah. No, good luck, man. Uh, Jobs are scarce these days, and they're only getting scarcer.
0: They sure are. I think there's news coming in every day about yep. that kind of stuff. Um, yep. Yeah. But assuming my situation comes together, I I, I honestly, I'm, I'm really, really going to be fortunate. And if it doesn't, John, I'm going to have a nice new expensive house to cry in. So <laughs> that'll, that'll be fun. Oh,
1: great. <laughs> well, we will, we'll hope that won't happen. Uh,
0: in the meantime, yeah. we've got plenty to keep us busy. We really do. Yes. An endless flow of work. With these online classes and whoever had this idea of a weekly podcast thing, it was <laughs> ridiculous. Uh, but yeah, classes classes are really time consuming in a different way than prepping for live classes. But like I said, I think last time it's been really rewarding. So I'm tired but happy. Well, I'll agree. I'm tired. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm looking
1: ahead a couple of weeks to the end of the semester and looking ahead to summer teaching, which will also be online. So
0: oh, lucky! This you. is the new normal. Well, it's so funny because you're the guy that barely knows how to work your computer, and now you're, you've been thrust into the real world. The real the virtual world. Well, oh, thank you very say. much.
1: The... Uh, no, I think uh, <laughs> it's it's been a real learning experience, obviously, but I think you'll be surprised at some of my tricks, uh, some of the things I've been picking up.
0: All right. Well, I, I, I'm looking forward to hearing that. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> All right. So we've got a great story for you guys this week. Uh, it's another short, short one from the Air book. It's a chilling but ultimately happy story about a boy who risks it all to watch some ladies ride horses.
1: <laughs> that's how you're describing this one.
0: I mean, it makes sense. If you read it, oh, it does make sense. I, kind of. Yeah. Just but. to be
1: clear for everybody. Uh, that is not what this is. <laughs> it's kind
0: of. Okay. <laughs> anyway, this is another conversion Thauter that is masquerading as a ghost story. It's <laughs> the tale of Thorhall and Thithrandi. know, that's an exciting title. Well, if you say it exciting, but yeah. No, uh-huh. it's just names. Uh, have we ever had a great title on this podcast? Uh Bandamana Saga. Bandamana Saga. Yeah, it's fun to say, but not exactly a great title. It's the saga of the banded men or Confederate saga. That's not that exciting. Hey, I mean, being in Mississippi, you should love that name. Oh, the Confederates? Ha Aww. I get it. I'm a rebel. All sure, right. John. All sure. Right.
1: Uh before we get started, let's check our desickel measurement on this thing. Uh you said it was a short short.
0: I did. So uh you do the math on this one, buddy. Mm-hmm. How how short is it?
1: Well, uh this comes in at a wee one point three six decibels.
0: One point three six? Yeah. Is that really that wee? Yes. <laughs> how does it I mean how does it compare to the, the last two that we well, did? Okay, yeah. Thorsten
1: Shiver was one point oh eight. Thorsten Shiver was real short. That was a wee. wee. Yeah. The tale of Thorar and Nefuelson last week was one point five nine. Okay. So this is Right between those two, gotcha.
0: That's uh, that's great
1: or something. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are you uh, you ready to start this great tale of Thorholson and Drandi?
0: Am I ready, John? There was a prophecy back in nineteen seventy-seven that a boy would be born in Northeast Ohio in June of seventy-eight oh who would be ready for this. Oh boy! And you know what, John? That boy was me. I have nothing to say to that.
1: Part one, Hall and the Prophet.
0: So the tale begins by providing some background on Thorhall, a Norseman who came to Iceland during the reign of Jarl Håkon Sigurdsson, who ruled Norway in the late 10th century. Mm -hmm. Now, Thorhall was a wise man, and he could see into the future, which is why people called him Thorhall the Prophet.
1: Right, and we also learn that Thorhall the Prophet is good friends with Hall of Sida.
0: Yeah, I know we've met Hall of Sitha before, but uh, yeah. we should probably remind everyone who he is.
1: Sure. Uh, Hall of Sitha is most famous as one of the first men in Iceland to convert to Christianity, and really the first sort of big name to convert to Christianity. Yeah. Uh, we encountered him in Jáls saga uh, and in our saga brief on Iceland's
0: conversion. Yes, that's right. And Hall of Sitha has a son called Thithrandi, and he's said to be the handsomest and most promising of all men in Iceland at that time. Well. And no matter where he goes on his travels, everybody loves him. Oh, and he's also said to be very uh, humble and the most accomplished and gentleman who has ever lived. Yeah, they're heaping on the praise, aren't they? They really heap that praise on. It's It's embarrassing when they talk <laughs> about him. Uh, We haven't heard like this many superlatives about a guy since we met Arnkel in Erbige Saga.
1: Yeah, personality-wise, yeah. And that's not a great sign because people that exceedingly handsome and beautiful and promising often face difficult times in these stories.
0: They sure do. But maybe, maybe things will turn out different for Thithrandi. You never know.
1: I I mean, I've read the story. I do know. But a careful listener to a story like this should already be concerned for Thithrandi.
0: I think so, yeah. We're only getting started. Yeah. Well, let's just see what happens. Maybe things will turn out well. So, Uh one summer, Thorhall the prophet pays a visit to his friend Hall of Sida at Holf in Alftafjord. And he's on his (coughs) way. uh, Well, let's just see what happens. So, one summer, Thorhall the prophet pays a visit to his friend Hall of Sida at Holf in Alftafjord on his way home from the thing. And the two get on so well that Hall insists that Thorhall stay until the Winter Nights Feast in Autumn. And Thorhall then accepts that invitation. Right, and that's around the same time that
1: the golden boy returns from a trip abroad.
0: Yes, that is the Thithrandi Sidohalsam.
1: Right, I said the golden boy. Yes. Uh, And everyone is so excited to see him. They circle around him,
0: admiring him and praising his his accomplishments. Now, not everyone is clamoring around him, though. We're told when people praise him the most, that's when Thorhall the prophet remains silent. See? Yeah, the prophet... Something's up. Mm-hmm. Maybe. And Hall of See the notices Thorhall's behavior and asks why he's suddenly so quiet. And Thorhall r- responds with a grim prophecy. Do you have a, a grim prophecy voice, John? <laughs>
1: I mean, I don't think Thorhall puts on a separate voice for grim prophecies. He's just got his voice.
0: Yeah. Well, he should be, um, just so you know, he 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 should be kind of a downer, a, a bit of a, a yeah, grim. I'm not, I wasn't really looking for notes, but that's fine. Oh. Okay, sorry.
1: <laughs> it's not because I like or dislike anything about him or you. <laughs> <laughs> <It's laughs> Thorhall Droopy Dog. The <laughs> <That's> prophet. <right.
0: laughs> uh, I'm a happy man. Uh, <laughs> your son's gonna die. <laughs> <clears throat> All
1: right, let's try Let's try try to do a real voice this time. It's not because I dislike anything about him or you, or that I am any less aware than other people that he is the most remarkable of men. It is rather that there are quite enough people to praise him, and he has many qualities that deserve this, even though he places little value on himself. What a guy! It might be that his presence will not be enjoyed for long, and then you will have sufficient grief for this son of yours, who is such a fine figure of a man even though not everyone has praised his accomplishments for you
0: it might be that his presence will not be joined for long oh that's not a. it's just me repeating what you said right <laughs> <laughs> but you can see why I would be confused there sure yeah so uh he says yeah, it's not it like I've seen this before uh it's not like I wrote it um so he says it it, it might be that his presence will not be enjoyed for long that yep. that's not good news yeah especially coming from a dour voiced man with pretty reliable foresight yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> so, Summer wears on, and Thorhall grows increasingly unhappy. And when Hall of Sita asks why, he gets yet another grim prophecy.
1: Right. It's the only kind Thorhall really seems to have. You really yeah, wonder why he's... anybody
0: invites this guy to stay with
1: them. I have a bad feeling about the autumn feast that will be held here. I have a foreboding that a prophet will be slain at this gathering.
0: Yeah, you know, you know John, I'm, I'm starting to think that Thorhall is a bit of a downer. Really, are you? Yeah, maybe. Maybe he should just go home. I mean, like, well. we don't need you here with your stupid prophecies. <laughs> well, he's had a vision of his own death, it seems. So, cut him some slack. Oh, did he? But all the more reason for Thorhall the Downer to hit the road. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> but, I'll go. All right, if you don't like my <laughs> prophecies, I'll go. But yeah, but in this case, Hall says no. It's not a big deal. He says. It's not you, the prophet. I have a I have a ten year old ox that I call prophet because he's wiser than the other bulls. And he's going to be slain at the autumn feast.
1: Wiser than the other bulls. That's right. That is that is faint praise, man.
0: Uh what makes a bull wise? <laughs> uh, you know, I, I'm not so familiar with the behavior of bulls that I can offer you a good answer there. Maybe he knows where the good grass is. I don't I don't know.
1: Right, where he sits under a shade of a nice aspen with a copy of Plato's Symposium
0: and contemplates higher forms of love. <laughs> of course. Of course he does. But uh, I don't I, – I'm pretty confident that's not it though. Does he sit under a cork tree and
1: smell the flowers?
0: Uh-huh, no, that's a different – that's a Spanish bull. That's right. Oh, fair enough. fair enough. Very different. Fair enough. it's a different continent entirely. Right. So, you know. <laughs> uh, anyway, the slaughtering of that bull called Prophet, you would think it would make Thorhall feel better, right?
1: No. It doesn't. Uh, He explains that he wasn't worried about himself. Uh, He says, I have a foreboding of greater and stranger events, which I will not recount for the time being.
0: Well, thanks a lot, Thorhall. Part 2. Winter Nights. The Winter Nights feast was prepared on schedule, but the crowd was a lot smaller than expected due to terrible weather. The storms are raging outside, John, which suggests that Thorhall the prophet might have been on to something. You know, I don't know if we've ever
1: actually talked about the Winter
0: Nights uh, Festival much on the
1: podcast before.
0: I think, you know what, we've definitely encountered the holiday because it pops up in a lot of sagas. But I don't oh, know. Yeah. You're right. I don't know if we've talked about it before. Although I would say there's probably because there's not that much to say about it. Right, right.
1: It's come up in Gizli saga. I remember it was, a, real, it was yeah. a major plot point um, because Gizli was trying to keep his friend Vestin from visiting. Yeah. That's right. And I think we've seen, a, seen it a few other times, but you're right, we've never really addressed it.
0: Yeah. And again, there's not that much to say about mm-hmm. it. The The Winter Nights or the Veternats or Feast was a pagan holiday that celebrated the end of harvest season and the start of winter. And that was usually around mid-October in Iceland. Right, And it kind of de- helps divide up the year.
1: Uh, and we don't know a lot of specifics about how pre-Christian Icelanders would have celebrated the Winter Nights. But saga evidence suggests that the occasion was marked with the sacrifice of an animal or animals to the family's gods – And a three day feast with games and storytelling and, of course, plenty of drinking. Oh,
0: poor Prophet the Bull. (laughs) He never saw it coming, John. Right. Sorry, did you say profitable? (laughs) Stop it. Don't be silly. I said poor Prophet the Bull, Mm -hmm. and you heard me. Yes. Um, If he was really the wise Prophet
1: that Hall claimed him to be, I think that bull would have uh, made his way out of there as soon as the festival
0: started getting closer. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess he was too steeped in Greek philosophy to see the man with the knife creeping up behind him.
1: Well, I mean, you can either contemplate the infinite or you can, you know, focus on your navel and your immediate surroundings, Andy. What kind of a bull do you want to be? (laughs) I, I want to be the one that's still alive. Well, fair enough. But I'm sure he at least tasted great. All that time and contemplation would have given him real texture. (laughs)
0: well it's too bad that more people didn't show up for the feast because all that yummy prophetic bull is going to go to waste now
1: (laughs) speaking of prophetic bull uh thorhall waits until everyone is seated at the feast to share yet another gloomy prediction
0: (laughs) of course he does just when i've got a big plate of oracular bovine meat in front of me he's gonna (laughs) interrupt listen
1: listen everyone i would like to people to take my advice tonight Nobody should go outside, because great harm will come about if you do. Whatever portentous things happen, please take no notice of them. If anyone reacts to the sounds coming from outside, something
0: terrible will happen. Wait a minute, John. Yeah. Didn't we do this one already? Uh Uh-huh. Is someone going to get up and go to the bathroom (laughs) in the middle of the night and talk to a devil coming out of the toilet?
1: No. I mean, well, not actually travel to the bathroom although i can't promise that nobody's going to go to the bathroom (laughs) Uh, but the structure is pretty similar to the tale of thorsten shiver yes yeah Uh, and we'll soon see that not everyone in the hall takes the prognostication as seriously as they should just as we saw before
0: yeah well in the meantime the hall of sida's extra remarkable son who is so meek and humble He makes sure that everyone is having a good time. He waits on the guests himself, and he even gives up his bed to some of those guests. Uh And then when everyone is finally settled in for the night, he lays down on the outer bench by the partition.
1: And then late at night, when everyone is asleep, there's a knock at the door.
0: And all of the guests were told to ignore any sounds from outside, so they all pretend that they're asleep. Again, a knock at the door to the hall.
1: And this time, it's a little louder and more insistent.
0: Now, Once again, the people ignore it. They pull their blankets up over their ears, and they just try to go back to sleep, try to pretend it's not happening.
1: Right, And that short silence that follows is almost reassuring until the knocking begins yet again.
0: It's louder and harder this time, and it's shaking the room. Now, at this point, Thithrandi and his... Kindly, humble, and most excellent heart. All right, all right. Everyone else is asleep. You don't have to do that now. <laughs> yeah, but the listeners are listening. <laughs> they got to know. He simply can't take it anymore. He stands up and approaches the door, muttering to himself, It's a shame that all the people here are pretending to be asleep when guests have arrived. And then he picks up his sword. But father. And he opens the door. <laughs> yes. He opens the door to see who could have arrived at such a late hour And in such terrible weather. But there's no one there. You know, we really missed a bet by not doing this for Halloween. I know. But both Thorstein Shiver and this one would be perfect for that. Yeah. So he steps out into the darkness and looks around. And that's when he hears the sound of riders coming into the field from the north. And there... Riding across the field and toward the house are nine women on
1: black horses, all of them dressed in dark clothes and carrying an unsheathed sword in their
0: hands. But then Thitrandi heard another sound, this time coming from the south. Nine more riders were entering the field. Only these women were riding white horses and wearing light clothing. But the black riders swiftly crossed the field as the
1: white riders rushed to cut them off.
0: Dithrandi turns to run into the hall, hoping to call the others to come and see this amazing sight. But he wandered too far from the door, and the Black Riders swarm and attack. Dithrandi raises his sword and defends himself bravely.
1: And this would be the point in the story where someone goes to the bathroom. (laughs) (laughs) Part 3 The Hills Are Alive with the sound of movement.
0: <laughs> you know what? That wasn't funny before, but after you just talked about... <laughs> I got beer up my nose. God damn.
1: Oh, man. So- <clears throat> Early in the morning, when the moonlight is still shining on the frost, Thorhall wakes up and checks on Thithrandi. He quickly discovers that Thithrandi isn't in bed, nor is he anywhere to be found in the hall. He doesn't need any powers of prognostication to realize it's probably too late for poor Thithrandi.
0: So, wait a minute now. If he suspected that Thithrandi would be killed... Couldn't he have done a little bit more to protect him? Like, maybe pay attention when the noises you predicted earlier started happening in the night? Or maybe, maybe notice when Thethrondi got up to answer the door? Or maybe, maybe you just catch his eye and you shake your head a little bit and say, "mm," -mm." or God forbid, God forbid, Thorhall, you stand up and say something like, don't go outside. Well, no, 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 no. Now, to be fair, he did say that. He said that before the feast started. He
1: said, don't go outside. He can't be expected to police the hall after that.
0: This is Iceland. It's up to each individual to either heed the warning or pay the consequences. But he knew that Thithrandi couldn't resist helping others. He's the best, remember? I I mean, yes, but here's some good news for you then.
1: Thithrandi isn't actually dead.
0: (laughs) Right. He's only mostly dead. Oh, boy. Right. No, yeah, he's slightly alive. (laughs) Yes, exactly. He's not quite dead yet. Um. So anyway, that, is that all the movies we want to quote? That's all. For now. Okay. We're, we're done? All right. Give me time. So a, cer- a a quick search finds him lying on the ground outside the hall, very near the door, and he's sorely wounded, but alive. They carry him in, and he tells everyone about what just happened, and then he dies from his injuries as the sun peeks <laughs> over the horizon. Right.
1: So when we said slightly alive, we didn't, we didn't mean that anything good was going to come of it. He just wasn't dead no, yet. No. He just wasn't dead yet. Right. That's what I said, literally. Uh, Now, when Hall asks for an explanation of the strange event, Thorhall the
0: prophet suggests that the riders weren't women,
1: but fetches.
0: Fetches, yes. So now's a good point where we could pause and talk about fetches. Yeah, we should do that. Yeah. So the Old Norse term here is Mm Fulgur which is the plural of fulgia. Um, now, these are interstitial spirits that are very similar to fetches in the Irish tradition. They accompany a person throughout their lives uh, as unseen guardians.
1: Right. So the, the term fulgia literally means one who accompanies. Uh, so the fulgia right. is a an invisible spirit deeply connected to the fate of an individual or a whole family. Right? This is the guardian angel. Uh, except more neutral. Guardian spirit. Right, guardian spirit, right? More neutral, occasionally malevolent. Um, but the food gear can take a variety of shapes that reflect either the status or character of the individual. Mm-hmm. For example, kings in the sagas often have a food gear that takes the shape of a lion or a leopard. When it takes the shape of a woman, it's often viewed as the guardian spirit of the family rather than of a single individual, although there's a great deal of flexibility to
0: that. Yeah. But they, they can also take the shape that reflects an individual state of mind. Mm-hmm. For for example, characters will occasionally have bad dreams in which someone important is attacked by a wolf or some other predator. And that wolf of the dream is usually interpreted as the fullia of an enemy.
1: Right. Um, so if you're thinking about a, uh, a Patronus at this point... Uh, that just means that you're thinking correctly because that's essentially what right. we are talking about.
0: Or the about. golden compass is a good, right. a good way of right. thinking about it too. Um,
1: but the Fulgia you know, sometimes attacks in less overt ways, like uh, making a person suddenly feel sleepy or unwell at an important moment.
0: Which we've seen a bunch of times, right. right? I mean, probably the best example that I have of this is in Greenlander Saga where Thorvald and his men find the skraelings sleeping under those canoes mm-hmm. and they kill, what, eight of the nine guys that they find. And then suddenly... They get very very sleepy, and when they wake up, there's a whole tribe ready to attack them. Right, and that I think is a good example of the the fulgur in action. In that case, it's either a very powerful fulgur of the Skraling who escaped, or it's a fulgur of the tribe as a whole. Right,
1: uh, and if it's not clear, well, about-
0: maybe of the land, the whole the whole all the the of all of Vinland. Right, kind of right. Pushing the Vikings away. Right,
1: the 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 sort of the general spirit of unwelcomeness. Yes, uh,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> Now, if it's not clear by now, anytime you see a fulgia or are affected by one in some way, uh, bad things often happen soon after. Uh, now, mm-hmm. this uh, fulgia, like we said, is an invisible guardian spirit. It doesn't typically reveal itself to anyone, including the individual it's attached to, unless something really significant and often terrible is about to happen. Yeah, which is usually the person's death. Right, exactly, yeah. So, like when Thord sees a bloody goat lying in the field in Njáls Saga. Uh, As soon as he describes the vision, Niall said, yep, you're about to
0: die, buddy. Uh, (laughs) And sure enough, Thord is killed by three men in an ambush. So the point here is that if you see your Fulgia, or someone else's, you're probably going to die. And with that, we've kind of covered the basics of this phenomenon. Uh, What do you say, John? All right, back to the story. Yes, yes, uh, back to the story. Thorhall
1: Thor the prophet has explained that the w- women who attacked Thrydrandi were probably the Fulgir of Hall's family. He goes mm-hmm. on to call them Dísir, uh, which are high-ranking female guardian spirits who watch over families in their homesteads.
0: See, now I, I, I'm just getting more and more frustrated with Thorhall because first he says they're Fulgir and then he says they're Dísir. You yeah, know, pick a spirit, Thorhall. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be fair
1: to him... Right? These are not, like, cut-and-dried categories. There's a bit of overlap between
0: the two. I I mean, I know, but the DCR are much more powerful than just a fulgia. It's almost like they're local deities. In fact, if if I remember correctly, the DCR are among the most important recipients of the Winter's Night Sacrifices. Well, okay. So they're kind of riled up for right, some reason. Right, right. True. Uh, but, again, there's enough overlap here that I don't think we need to be super worried about it. Look, I think... That Thorhall is not only a downer, but he's also sloppy. He's like the Toby from HR of saga literature. I believe you. You don't watch The Office, John? No, I've actually never seen it. So, well, I mean, for the <laughs> listeners, that's a joke for the uh, listeners. Oh, there you
1: go. Well, I'm sure that was a... I'm sure there's a lot of knees being slapped and sides being held. <laughs> well, I uh, sure hope so. But, uh, but
0: you know what? If it if it flops, it's not the first one that I've thrown out there. Well. <laughs> <laughs> hit the ground like a dead fish
1: <laughs> now to defend Thorhall, he predicted this would happen he didn't predict specifically the fulgia, but he did predict that bad things would happen
0: if anyone went outside no he no he said something bad might happen and then he did nothing to prevent it that's problematic uh, uh, word
1: be full of wrath andy fate is fully fixed oh come he on. basically says as much to hall when hall offers to cancel the feast does he now? In Old English? Because that would be weird. <laughs> no, in Old Norse, but I don't have that phrase in my pocket in Old Norse the way I do Old English. Uh, oh. And Thorhall has a pretty good sense of why the Dissir of Hall's farmstead might be acting a little crazy. He says, I guess that there will soon be a change in religion, and that better traditions will then come to Iceland. I expect that these disir of yours, who have accompanied this present faith, knew about the change in religion and that your family would cease to be in their hands. Now, they would not have been content to receive no tribute from you, and they will have this for their portion. The other, better Dysir, would have wanted to help him, but with things as they are, they were incapable of doing so. Now, those (laughs) in your family who share in the delight that they presage and follow will benefit from their support.
0: Okay, so to interpret this, the, the black riders represent the pagan religion. Right. And they're a little ticked off because the white riders who are coming into the field represent Christianity. But because Christianity hasn't taken root in Iceland yet, they are not fast enough to get there to right. save, uh, Yeah,
1: they're they're attached to the coming of the new faith, and that new faith yes. has not quite arrived yet. So they're on their way. You can see them kind of cresting the hill, but... Yes. At this moment, it, it's actually interesting because it means that this is a very dangerous time in Iceland, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Right? That the yeah. the the, uh, the land is full of angry spirits who right. know that their time of dominance is coming to an end and are acting out.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Thitrandi goes on for quite a while after this, talking about the joyful time that is to come when mm-hmm. God and his omnipotence would look upon Iceland with merciful eyes and free the people from the thraldom of the devil.
1: Yeah, no, for a medievalist, it's a great passage that blends the language of religion, law, or warfare. I mean, you, it you, really bef- is. you before were talking about this, the attack of the ghost seal. I would be more interested in thinking about the ghost seal as a fulgur. If we're thinking about it this way, right, as a manifestation of the sort of the dying pagan religion on the island, kind of thrashing yeah. around and trying to find some outlet,
0: the way True, that but we did have the we did have the introduction of Christianity right before that, right, in, right, in exactly.
1: Uh, that you know when you think about it that way, it makes a lot more sense, especially that it would show yeah. up in a bunch of different manifestations, kind of one after the other in these kind of right. chaotic ways, right? The that tail that comes out of the the food closet. Uh, the ghost seal coming out of the floor, all this sort of nonsense going on. Uh, it sure. makes sense as a kind of the the last desperate acts of the dying old faith.
0: Right. Well, I mean, as I've been going through the sagas with my students this semester, um, one of the things we've noticed is that it, almost every time a supernatural event happens, mm-hmm. not every time, but oftentimes, especially when you have people rising from the dead, they're usually, they're, it's connected in some way to the coming of Christianity. And they're either right. offering a prophecy or they're responding to the threat of... Of Christianity coming.
1: Right. So I think what we can say is that Thorhall makes a good case for accepting Christianity in spite of the resistance of the Fulgir.
0: Almost as if he's priming the pump mm-hmm. before old Thangbrand uh, arrives and brings the word of God to Hall of Sitha. Well, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So the tale ends with Hall of Sita moving eastward away from the farmstead where he lost Thidrandi, the golden child. And he moves to Thvota and i don't know how to say that word so f- you know if you live in volta then please forgive me uh, but of course thorhall follows soon after and he's always ready to spread some joy only this time he really does one morning hall of Sita the sees thorhall just lying in bed and staring out of the window with a big smile on his bearded face and hall asks why are you smiling now i'm happy <laughs> <laughs>
1: I am smiling because many hills have opened and every living creature, both great and small, is preparing its burden and making ready to change its
0: abode. Which is exactly what happens. Mm -hmm. You see, this short, short thouter was inserted into the saga of Olaf Tryggvason right before the section where Thangbrandr arrives in Iceland on a mission from King Olaf Mm -hmm. to convert the, the nation. And as we've mentioned already, Hall of Sitha is among the first to convert, and many other chieftains follow in his lead. And before you know it, the subject of conversion comes up at the all thing, and the law speaker hides under a blanket for a day, and bing bang boom, Iceland is Christian. I don't Bing Bang Boom, really? Uh It happened under the uh under the under the blankets. Right. Uh well you don't have to pick up
1: a copy of Olaf's saga to learn about all that.
0: No. Even though we highly recommend you do, it's a good
1: saga. But right, of course. But if you don't want to do that, we've got you covered. We did two saga briefs on the conversion of Iceland in the middle of our Trek Njal saga. I think those are saga briefs six and seven.
0: From way back in, get this, John, 2016, a long, long time ago,
1: in a galaxy where people could still shake hands and meet
0: in public. Right. I mean, John, at this point, February feels like forever ago. Do you remember when I, uh, in February, I came up to Boston and we spoke to actual real live people for our talk on Vinland in New England? I do remember that.
1: It was uh, in the days before Zoom. Those were glorious times. Yes,
0: (laughs) (laughs) they were. Uh, And we will get back to them eventually, I'm sure. Uh, But in the meantime... What do you say, John, we uh, maybe dip our fingers into the old uh, rune sack and see
1: what comes up? All right, but we can only dip one set of fingers in at a time. This is, uh, we have to be responsible
0: about this. Social distancing and all that. I suppose we could do that. I'll take the risk and dip my fingers in. And look what we've got here. We've got a question from Ron via email. How exciting. Hi, Ron. He says, I listened to your recent podcast on the tale of Thorstein Shiver... And when you said the story was just over three pages long, I decided to have a quick read also. And it brought up a couple questions for me. So there's two questions here, John. He says, it seems like the entity was not only described as a demon, but also as a ghost, a devil, a fiend. Would you be able to elaborate a bit on why the different descriptions? And then he's got a second question. The phrase, stop beating around the bush, appeared in the translation. And I've heard this phrase (laughs) in modern times, and I was rather surprised to see it being used so long ago. Was this phrase in use then, or was this paraphrased, or is this part of the translation? Uh,
1: Okay, yeah, those are good questions. Uh, Thank you, Ron. Uh, I'll take the first one. You're right, the demon is described in various ways in the story. Uh, When he first crawls up out of the toilet hole, he's called a puka, or an imp. Uh, But then after that, he's called dolgrin, uh, which means an enemy or a fiend. And soon after that, he's called a Draugrin, which is a draugr, a corporeal undead creature. Yeah. And that one fits his claim that he's one of Harold Wartooth's fallen soldiers, right? Sure. Yeah. Uh, The the author switches back and forth pretty regularly between those three terms, although mostly between Puka and Draugrin. Uh, And we can interpret that two ways both of which I think will lead us to the same conclusion. Uh, First, like any good author, this one doesn't want to fall in the trap of repetition. So rather than just saying demon, 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 demon over and over again, he uses other words that capture the same basic image or concept, right? We do this all the time in our stories. Mm -hmm. We could call this creature a devil
0: or an imp or a demon or a fiend. Or a beast or even a sprite, if you want to get to the little mischievous things. (laughs) Uh
1: yeah, variation is pretty common in storytelling, so there's no surprise there. Uh, but of course, that's you know, it's still, it yeah. does create some confusion if you're not sure about the terminology. Right,
0: and you said there's a second interpretation, so let's...
1: Well, the second one I think is more speculative, but we've read enough sagas to know these authors don't seem to distinguish much in their terminology about the undead and ghosts and spirits that walk around medieval Scandinavia.
0: Yeah, and, and I think that that's right. That's not because they don't know what they're talking about, though. They just have a different idea of what a ghost is than we do.
1: Right, yeah. Almost every ghost that we encounter in the sagas and literature of medieval Iceland is a corporeal being, right? They can move objects.
0: They can touch you. They can hurt you. Especially if you decide to maybe wrestle one. They've got superhuman strength, and they like to crush people. Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, I
1: mean, you know, unless you're Greta Munderson or some other great hero who can wrestle them back. Right. But the, the basic idea here is that a ghost, whether it's a draugr or a demon or whatever, has a physical body. Um, which makes the crawling up out of the toilet all the more unpleasant. Yes, like, this it does, is not a spirit <laughs> rising up through the floor. This yeah. is actually somebody who's been. Just, it makes you wonder about whether he was sort of just sitting in there all night waiting for somebody to
0: come <laughs> to the toilet. <laughs> in, and, which and how is, did he get there? Like, did he? He had to walk right. in and then crawl down inside and wait. Right. <laughs> Yeah, the prep work
1: for this suddenly becomes a much different thing when you start thinking about him as a corporeal yeah, being. But, you know,
0: that said, uh, he's probably thinking to himself, you know, this is – honestly, it's better than hell. So it's it's a night out. <laughs> at, le- at least right now I'm standing head up.
1: <laughs> uh, but, yeah, no, all of this is just tied to a cultural belief. And that belief was the idea that the body could and would rise and live again after death.
0: Which is why burial customs are so important, right? And we've seen that a lot in the sagas that we've read. Uh, if all goes well, then the dead won't bother anybody. But if something sure. goes wrong or isn't done right, or if there's some sort of unfinished business, then that body might just wake up early and start causing trouble for the living.
1: Right. And we actually see uh, prep work that's done to avoid that kind of thing in a number of the sagas. Mm-hmm. Remember uh, Ale uh, putting his, uh, bringing Scott Lagrim's body out through a back wall, mm-hmm. and then burying it out on an island far away from the house. Yeah, right? so he won't know his to make way it back. Harder, right? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, or in Saga, I know we keep going to that well in this episode. Uh, remember, if uh, Snorri uh, giving advice to his friend uh, Killerstur about getting rid of those two berserks. Yeah. Right. And after they kill the berserks, they bury them face down out in a volcanic field. Right. So that there's no way for the 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 dead to find their way back to Killer Stewart's farm.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think we keep going back so to that saga because we want to reassure people that we still don't know how to pronounce it. Well, I think.
1: Uh, oh, airbigger. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Because well, because we've established there is no one way to pronounce it. Well, uh, but well, I think one thing we have established is that we don't know any of the right pronunciations for it.
1: Right. Well, uh, we <laughs> well it, given that there are four or five, I think creating a sixth one is uh, entirely forgivable. Yeah. Uh, No, I think we keep going back to it because we we both know that we screwed that saga over badly because we did it so early and didn't fully know what we were doing. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So to answer your question, Ron, uh, we've got a combination of simple word variation for aesthetic purposes and a cultural system of belief that might not make the same clear distinctions between the words ghost, fiend or walking dead. Uh, So how's that? Do you want to answer the second part of the question? Uh, yeah, sure.
0: Yeah. So he in the second part, he asked about the use of the phrase beat around the bush in the saga or in the right. Uh So I, you know, what? I'm sorry to disappoint you, Ron. Uh, the Old Norse text does not say beat around the bush. <laughs> it says, drag thou egi which basically means don't drag it out any longer.
1: Right. Which idiomatically is exactly what don't beat around the bush means, but without the sort of, you
0: know, the idiomatic charm. Right. But, you know, I, I feel like that's di- a disappointing answer for you, Ron. So yeah. I looked up the history of beat around the bush, and I was happy to learn that its origins are, in fact, medieval. The earliest appearance of the idiom comes from the mid-14th century in generities of romance in seven line stanzas, where we hmm. find the line, Some beat the bush, and some the birds take, or some beat the bush, and some take the birds. Yeah, so it's a hunting term. Yes. makes a lot of sense. Uh, When noblemen would go out hunting, they'd hire men to beat the bushes with sticks to flush out any animals. Yes, and that earliest usage of the phrase, that some men beat the bushes and others take the birds, it appears at a moment in the poem where the author is trying to get to the point. Aha. So there you have it. We won't drag this out any longer. No, indeed. Others
1: may beat the bush, but we're the kind of men who seize the birds. Carpe ava, Mandy.
0: What's our next question? carpe avum Uh, (laughs) all right this one uh comes from jeremy matthews on twitter and he writes i'm 15 episodes in and you guys are absolutely amazing well that's delightful to hear yeah i i really he says i really enjoy anything from around the viking age and i feel like you two are giving me a degree uh well then uh you can send your checks (laughs) to degrees aren't cheap jeremy Uh, But anyway, (laughs) he he says he just wants to say thanks. And uh, he says, can you recommend any Norse mythology podcasts? I'm wanting to start one eventually, but need to do some research first. Yeah. Uh,
1: The answer is easy, and I think you'll be pleased, Jeremy. There are quite a few podcasts out there that touch on Norse mythology. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, The first one that comes to mind is the Northern Myths podcast, hosted by Luke and Dan. They do a deep dive into Norse mythology, looking at the major texts of Northern Germanic myths and legends. And they were foolish enough to have us on their show for an interview, so I can't say much for their taste. Yeah,
0: they were. <laughs> they were definitely foolish enough to do that.
1: Andy, you've uh, you've you've bit deeper into the podcast world than I
0: have. Uh, what's uh, What else is out there? Well, I would say you should check out the Myth, Legend, and Lore podcast by Siobhan Clark. She does a wonderful job of retelling the myths and fun stories from a variety of cultures with a heavy dose of Norse mythology in there. I think you'll enjoy that one. Uh, There's also the History of Vikings podcast hosted by Noah Tetzner. Uh, He features interviews with professors and other experts in Old Norse studies, and there are quite a few episodes out there on Norse mythology. And I'd also recommend the Viking Age podcast by Lee Accomando. Uh, He hasn't posted in a while, but if you go back through the history there, there's a lot of episodes on Vikings and religion. Right, and... To go outside of just for
1: a second, uh, if you can, check out Jackson Crawford's YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. Uh, he covers a lot of subjects from the Old Norse world. He covers history, language, literature, and he does include quite a bit of Norse mythology as well.
0: Yes, and there's always great scenery with his, his videos. Yes. Um, oh, and we were supposed to meet with almost all of those podcasters at the International Congress on Medieval Studies this year in Kalamazoo, Michigan in May. Uh, Coming right up. I know.
1: We were on a roundtable about podcasting, a really good one, hosted by Medievalist.net, and I was I was so looking forward to that.
0: And now, John, here we are, isolated and alone, with our families, <laughs> our wonderful family, our wonderful oh, families.
1: Oh, dear. that's I would give a lot for that conference to come back and save us. And we, we, I mean, it's been a long time since we haven't spent the beginning of May in Kalamazoo, Michigan. I
0: know. Yeah, every year. Well, there's a saying... We have in Cleveland sports fandom, John. Why us? <laughs> no, <laughs> no. There's always yeah. next year. Uh, great. How's that one working out for you? Uh, well, I got to tell you, I'm uh, I'm really excited about next year. The Indians are looking prime for another playoff <laughs> run. Browns, I think, are stacked, and they've got a great new head coach. So the sky's the limit, Johnny. I, I'm, I'm excited. Oh, uh, sure. Yeah. Let me know how that works out. Well, uh, I mean, assuming sports ever starts up again. Uh, I, I really, really miss baseball right now. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, but you're a Mets fan. What's to miss, John?
1: Well, the beginning of April is often really, really promising.
0: <laughs> it's October you got to so worry about. So this is actually the part I miss. Uh, all right. Well, that about does it for this episode of Saga Shorts. Please let us know what you thought of it, or if you have any questions about this one or any other thing that we've bumbled through in the past seven years of podcasting about these sagas. It hasn't been seven years, has it? It has been seven years, but at least we're, you know, more than halfway through the sagas now. Yeah, barely more than halfway through, yes. It's a sad state of affairs. Anyway, you can <laughs> uh, you can reach us on social media, where we are SagathingPod on Twitter and SagathingPodcast on Facebook and Instagram. Or you can reach us the old-fashioned way by email, where we are SagathingPodcast at gmail.com.
1: Or you can write a note, attach it to a nice fat pheasant or a fox's tail and we'll send our beaters in to flush it out how exciting
0: we're going on an adventure
1: (laughs) we're going on a fox hunt uh we'll be back in one week with the last of our april saga shorts yes we will and which thouter are we doing again john it's the unforgettable tale of the volsi ah yes volsa thouter i can't wait for that one it's gonna be fun Yeah, a quick warning, it's kind of dirty, so you want to earmuff your kids for that one, or maybe not even play
0: it around them. (laughs) All right, Uh, with that advertisement, thanks for listening, everyone. Bye for now.
1: is the problem he drinks during the podcast and then he gets angry (laughs) and then there's all the rage my poor wife